though he is a 35-year-old, relatively statuesque pocket passer at this point in his career. He is a guy that can operate from the pocket and move you up and down the field and score a lot of points. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, October the 2nd. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by my favorite Bengals fan, producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how's your day been? You uh, it's, been it's been all right, you know, doing good. I got a little too sunburnt today because mm-hmm. why did I think that I needed to wear sunscreen in October? Like it was a beautiful 90 degree October day Why? in Nashville. But I'm a little sunburned as you can see my rosy red cheeks here, but you know, we're, we're, we're here. We're vibing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start off today's episode where we have to start off. And that is of course, with my own personal betting and wanting to hear the opinions of the people. And this is pertinent to the time. I know that Monday night or Sunday night football is about to begin. And before we dive into all things Titans, which we're going to do today, uh, should I let a parlay ride that is going to turn $1 into $150? It is the parlay I place each and every week that I, I self termed the, in case I got literally everything right parlay where just all the sides, I throw them in there. I put a dollar on it in case I just a nice little bonus in case I'm right about everything. It's pending jets plus 10. What do we think? I can cash it out for 75 fast dollar dues right now. Or if I can believe, let that ride, and I've got about what fifteen minutes to decide here. If you believe in the show, you let it ride. If you don't, I, and I do. Show, I do like the side. But how? But however, a seventy-five times return on your investment is is pretty sweet. Those are, those are some nice stonks right there. Yeah, it's it's a it's an easy, fast seventy-five dollars, and it is tempting. I would take but it out. but I, I think uh, well, but I didn't place a one-dollar prayer bet to to give up on it now it's one dollar okay you but know, then I, all your bets you know next what? week are covered so like nah it's not enough money it's not enough money i'm okay. i'm sick that's not nearly enough money um all right let's talk about what actually matters today and that's titans bengals the titans get a very 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 dominant victory over the cincinnati bengals on the heels of a very 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 dominant loss <laughs> uh do- dominant victory by the browns over them by the same score, they lose in week three, 27 to three in Cleveland. They face their second of four AFC North opponents in week four here in Nashville and handle the Bengals 27 to three. Got already some folks in the comments talking about it. Our buddy, Paul uh, Deagle, William, appreciate you guys being with us. Kind of a weird start to the episode today because I'm, I'm so interested in my own personal betting that I've, I've thrown out the convention of our, of our episodes and uh, let's get back on track here. Um, we're talking all things Titans Bengals today a little bit earlier than typical on a Sunday evening as we're recording this because I typically write a winners and losers column at the end of each Titans game. But for the second consecutive week, JT, that's been made very difficult for me. If I maybe I should just have written a, a two week joint article re- reviewing winners and losers from the from week three and four, because I would have plenty of both to go through. Um, There's still but, time in the day. I mean, there is last week. I had nothing but losers and this week. I tried, I sat there in the press box to write some losers down and I came up with a couple that we'll talk about today, but they all have asterisks next to them because it's like, they're not really losers and they're kind of nitpicks on what was an otherwise really fantastic game. So we'll dive into all of that. 
two things before we get into that. First of all, if you're with us live, appreciate you being here with us on a Sunday evening. Do us two favors. One, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, head on over to the Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. It's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll find this live stream and you can join the others that are there in commenting on that live stream video and being a part of the conversation. Would love for today's episode to largely be involving you guys. Any questions or comments you have on the heels of a dominant Titans victory. Would love to discuss what you thought about this game. And if you are not already subscribed to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page, do us a favor. It's free. It helps us out. Hit that subscribe button right underneath the video. We're trying to get those numbers up. We know that a lot of you that watch aren't subscribed. Do us a favor and subscribe real quick. Again, it is free. It costs you nothing. It, it's free real estate. Please help us out um, by hitting that subscribe button. Also, got to shout out our wonderful and amazing sponsor, Boomba's Pizza, here at the top of the show. We are sponsored by Boomba's. They have three locations here in Middle Tennessee. Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House does. We are live every Thursday from their Spring Hill location, which is our favorite. But they also have locations in East Nashville and in Murfreesboro, as well as in Indiana and Kentucky. They are fantastic at what they do, JT, and what they do is make delicious pizza. We love their food. We look every week on Thursday forward to going there and doing our show live before Thursday Night Football. But really, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're looking forward to getting the show over with so we can, we can eat the delicious food and have an excuse to go eat and drink all of the fantastic offerings they have. They are four-time winners at the Las Vegas um, Pizza International Pizza Expo for a variety of different pizza options. They are the only pizza company in America to have won Best Pizza in America twice, according to the international pizza competitions. They are great at making pizza. It is pizza that you have never tried before, I guarantee you, and it is going to revolutionize the way that you look at the pizza industry and consider your options whenever you're getting a hankering for a pizza pie. Boomba's will be at or near the top of your list after you visit there just once. I can guarantee it. So go and check out Boomba's, our wonderful and fantastic sponsor. All right. Now, I have vamped long enough to get people in here for us to uh, get all the housekeeping out of the way. Let's dive into what was a big and necessary win for the Titans. First of all, we've got some condolences for you, JT, in the comments from our buddy Paul. Uh, he wants to hear you take your licks for why you disliked Wiley. Paul, of all of the angles you could have attacked JT from today, and there were plenty. You chose a weird one because Josh Wiley stood out today because he'd sucked until today. <laughs> He's got a track record of being bad three of his four games in the NFL. So we'll talk about Wiley, and he did have a good day, and he deserves his praise. But uh, one good game does not a good tight end draft pick make, and we'll discuss that later. William saying, sorry to you, JT. A more earnest sorry from William here. Asking you if head coach um, Zach Taylor of, of, the, of your Cincinnati Bengals should be fired. I think fired is certainly a step too far, but do you want to at the top here, give us an address on the state of the Cincinnati Bengals? Um, I, you know, the, you know, that one picture of like SpongeBob and Patrick, like holding open the coffin and it just says like, get in, get in. That's right. The bang, that's, that's the Bengals playoff hopes right now. And I <laughs> tweeted that out earlier. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> honestly like people didn't want it. And I, I wanted it and people didn't want it. But when Jamar Chase said Joe Burrow should sit out till week five, mm. he should have sat out till week five. That's what I was thinking anything, about at the end of the game. I mean, the Bengals in, have changed. In not really. The Bengals playoff hopes were like their entire season was kind of dashed. It was scuttled in week one of training camp. Joe Burrow goes down with that calf injury that's been nagging him uh, to this date and is going to continue to nag him and, and more than nag him limit his ability in the pocket. And that's going to be a big 
part of our discussion today, trying to decipher what can and cannot fairly be taken from this game on the Titan side of things because they were facing a diminished Bengals team. We talked on Thursday in our preview episode about how this was the most, um, the, the, the least talented or maybe that's the wrong way to say it. Let's say the, the, the least dangerous version of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Titans would be facing of the four times they've now faced them in the past four years. And that certainly bore itself out. In my opinion on Sunday, they looked like they were a hamstrung version of the Bengals of the past two years, the AFC contending Bengals of the past two years. And so it made some things easier for the Titans, especially defensively. On the defensive end of the Bengals sideline, there are certainly some questions. Lou Anarumo, Big Lou, we're fond of him and the work that he does. He's a very underrated defensive coordinator generally of the past couple of seasons. But today, he made a Titans offense look really, really good. How much of that was the Bengals defensively being inept, unprepared for the moment? And how much of that was Tim Kelly and Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry's offense finally starting to click the way that we thought it might a couple of weeks into the season. So all of those topics we'll get into. Let's start here at the top. And again, if you're with us live, appreciate you being with us here on a Sunday evening. Would love for you to be a part of the conversation. Subscribe to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Go to that YouTube page. Find this live stream. Join the conversation in the comments section like Deagle and Pretty Boy Lipschitz have already. Um, throw any questions or comments you have in there, like pretty boy Lipschitz wanting to talk about Travis Gibson. We have flagged that comment. We will come back around to Travis. I promise my 10,000 foot perspective on this game, which is where I always want to start. Um, like I said, winners and losers article today just didn't, it just didn't happen because I was sitting, I sat for about an hour in the press box trying to write a winners and losers article. The winners column. The, the categories on the winners was very easy, not a difficult task by any stretch of the imagination. I was really having a stretch to come up with some losers. It's like, okay, the, you know, the Titans run defense kind of stunk for a quarter and a half and then it got better. Okay. We'll talk a little bit, a little bit about that. And that was kind of concerning. You know, Ryan Tannehill threw an interception, but it was an arm punt and they were already winning by a bunch of points. It really didn't matter. Okay, fine. Whatever. Um, you know, one thing that I was trying to spin into a loser was the, along the lines of, you know, was this kind of a mirage? Do they beat a bad Bengals team or a bad version of the Bengals team? And is this, you know, a false boost of confidence for this Titans team? Because, they, you know, they, they beat a team that on paper, it's like, okay, the Bengals, yeah, contender favorites to win the AFC North. But did they beat a really good team or, or, you know, did they beat a team that is in a really bad spot right now? Those are all things we're going to talk about, but they're not really losers. They're just, they're nitpicks on what was otherwise a really flawless performance for Tennessee. I will say I got some funny predictions on Twitter. JT, I tweeted 30 minutes before the start of the game. Winners and losers today. What are we thinking are, are going to be the winners and losers of my column at the end of the day? I asked people to predict one of each. Um, a lot of w winner, Joe Burrow's health. No. Loser, people who expected Andre Dillard to rebound in, in any way this week. He did rebound. He looked bad, but certainly not game-breakingly bad like he did last week. Um, winners, T. Higgins fantasy owners, <laughs> no. Uh, T. Higgins left the game early with a rib injury. I don't know what his production was at the end of his performance, but it, it wasn't much. You're muted, JT. 
There we go. He, he had he had two receptions for 19 yards. Okay, yeah, not great. Um, he J- Jake Robertson did predict Dillard for allowing only one sack. I do believe he allowed one sack, maybe one and a half. I'll have to go back and check. Um, he also a hilarious downfield blocking penalty, which is just you know Andre Dillard, such a good blocker. You can't blame it. That play took too long. A, a blocker of his caliber is just going to be downfield. That's just how that works. Um. This is my favorite one from uh, X Miller time nine X winner Landry. I mean, not really. He, he was fine today. I, better, but not great. Loser Josh Wiley. No. Um, so those are just some interesting uh, poor predictions on those people's part. My number one takeaway from this game is what I talked about last week. As I was discussing why there is an argument to be made that this Titans team should not be given up on by fans yet. And it is that this offense underwent three massive dramatic changes in the offseason. They changed their offensive coordinator. They changed their playbook, their offensive scheme. And they reloaded with a majority of new personnel on the offensive side of the ball. So every element that is key, fundamental to offensive continuity year over year. I'd argue there are four big things, general personnel, continuity, quarterback, offensive coordinator scheme. They changed three of those things. And so I talked before the season and throughout the season up until this point about how I don't think it's crazy for folks to preach patience and not jump to conclusions on a Tim Kelly offense that hasn't really had a chance to click yet. And I feel like today, not I'm not I'm not here going to take a victory lap on. Look, the offense is epic. It's great. It's fixed. This is what it is. It's one game, right? We're we're about a fourth of the way into the season. We're just into October, the very beginning of October. A lot can and will change. But today, at the very least, Tim Kelly and his offense showed you what it can be when everything is clicking, and what it can be is a very efficient, similar to the version of the Titans offense we've seen in the past, a very efficient group that has explosive capability downfield, reliable conversion ability with sure-handed guys like DeAndre Hopkins, explosive players across the middle of the field like Chigakonkwo, and behind, you know, in the backfield, Tajay Spears, who was a firecracker once again today. And when you keep Ryan Tannehill healthy, though he is a 35-year-old, relatively statuesque, pocket passer at this point in his career. He is a guy that can operate from the pocket and move you up and down the field and score a lot of points. That's what this team can be. Now, the biggest question mark still remains this offensive line. And today they they did fine. I'm not, I'm not going to say they didn't do well today against what I still think is an underrated Bengals pass rush. Guys like Trey Hendrickson up front they really did not impact this game the way that we saw them impact the game on Monday Night Football last week. So that was a good thing. And guys like Andre Dillard held their ground against guys like Trey Hendrickson, and that is good. They did allow three sacks on the day. Only one off the top of my head was in a really, really bad situation, a dr- like a drive-killing sack, right? You, you Early on in the first quarter, you had that drive-killing third-down sack where it was an obvious passing down. The defense pinned their ears back, knew they could get after the quarterback, did get after the quarterback, forced a punt. But beyond that, the sacks weren't exactly back-breaking game-breaking in that way, and so that was a good thing. The Titans' defense, for their part, laid three sacks on Joe Burrow, so that was a good thing. All of these things 
were clicking today for the Titans. And you saw what I would guess is the best version of them. You could argue having guys like Burks back, having, uh, you know, if you get a, a healthy Kyle Phillips for a stretch of time, that adds a couple extra elements to your offense. But in general, you got the best version of this Titans team on both sides of the ball and on special teams for that matter. Nick Folk still going strong, 18 of 18. Uh, longest active streak in the NFL, by the way. Grandpa Folk cannot miss. Absolute nails kicking the field, goal, uh, field goals out there. Um, Some numbers for you. Actually, before I get to the numbers, one more big takeaway, JT. The number one thing, as I was talking with some folks walking down from the press uh, box to the interview rooms down underneath Nissan Stadium, was the general takeaway comparing week three and week four, because it, it is, it's almost like the script writers this year have, have built this Titan season so far to kind of be a really nice case study week after week. We have these two weeks that like puzzle piece together and are the examples of really, in my opinion, worst case Titans team, best case Titans team. Like this is what they look like when things are all going wrong. And this is what they look like when things are all going right. And so going forward now, beyond week three and four, you've got 75% plus of the season left to play. How do you find a way to be mostly that things are working right version of yourself and things and not things are working wrong version of yourself? How do, how do you combat everything going wrong the way that it did in Cleveland? And how do you come into games prepared to make sure things go right like they did against Cincinnati? That is their their big goal now because... September, in my opinion, JT, and we've talked about this, it's about finding out what you can be tinkering. You know, the best coaches in history, the Andy Reeds and the, the Bill Belichick's, they're not famous for their wins in September. They're famous for trying things out, figuring stuff out, and then being nails down the stretch, being, uh, you know, an unstoppable force come November, December, peaking at the right time and getting into the playoffs as the best version of themselves. And so that's what this time of year is for. Now that the Titans have shown both versions of themselves, the number one takeaway from, from those two games for me is in the trenches, right? In week three, the Titans lost in the trenches on both sides of the ball all day long, and they got crushed. They lost 27 to three. It was never close. In week four, they won in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And outside of the first quarter, it was really never close. And they did the crushing. Some things just never change in football, right? That's that's the ultimate takeaway, and it, this is not a revolutionary idea that, oh, you win in the trenches, you win football games. Yeah, of course you do, but it's just it's nice to have a reminder every so often that, hey, winning in the trenches is still very important. It's actually paramount to having really any success at the end of the day in the NFL, and when you do that, not only does it allow you more success, but it opens up your, your Pandora's box of opportunities wide open. The things at your disposal, the things that you can try, the things that you can do become they 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 multiply when you are winning in the trenches and that's what the titans did today now some numbers and this is this is i think mostly a reminder of just how much averages can change just 4 weeks into the season because a 4 week sample size is a really small sample size and that's you know, in the NFL we're working on smaller sample sizes than in the NBA or the MLB that's the nature of it but you have to take these smaller sample sizes with a grain of salt our buddy Zach Lyons put out on twitter just a couple of minutes ago the rankings for this team heading into Sunday night football. So not a complete week, but almost complete. The Titans efficiency rankings look like this through the, uh, this week of this week of football. Um, so this is not the full season, but just just today and on, on Thursday night, they ranked seventh for EPA and CPOE 
ninth in EPA per play, eighth in CPOE overall, 11th in success rate, second in air yards, fifth in overall EPA, 17th in run EPA, and fifth in pass EPA, eighth in overall defensive EPA, 13th in run EPA, and eighth in pass EPA. Hilarious. The Titans were a better run defending team today, or excuse me, pass defending team today than they were a run defending team. Um, as we've said all year long, the Titans secondary, the strength of this group. Before I continue to ramble, JT, and I want to give more thoughts on this offense and what we saw. Actually, let's start with the defense for that matter. Um, do we have any comments that we that we should be uh, mentioning from the YouTube chat? Um, not really about anything that we've covered yet, except when, when we are talking about a loser of this game. Uh, Roshan says that. Uh, Andre Dillard, absolutely a loser, but basically the only one. So like, well, it's, it's all, a it's, it's a relative scale for Andre. Yes, he was the, still the worst player on the team. I think like uh, we all agree. Yes, he's still a, a liability, but he was less of a loser than he's been in other games so far this year. And again, always the Sunday night caveat, right? Like I'm reserving any and all judgment of offensive line play until I get the all twenty two. Um, the first couple of days of this week, we talk about that more on Tuesday and Wednesday's episode, but. For now, yeah, it seems like he had a not-so-great game, but not as not-so-great as it's been in the recent past. So that's a positive. Yeah, and then a couple more here. Uh, since we're going to go basically right into defense, talking about breaking that down first, we had a couple comments that we can segue into our defense discussion here. Mm -hmm. um, one by Pretty Boy Lipschitz, who says, I didn't think our DBs tackled very well early on. I, I, I would say so. I think it was a big reason of why the Bengals were able to make it down the field so fast like they did on that first drive and start off well. I think I was about to say the defense just didn't really do anything well early on the, yes. that first quarter. They were really shaky and the offense actually came out swinging a little bit stronger, a little bit more potent than the defense did. And that was kind of a curveball to, to beginning the game. You, you weren't really expecting that. And it, it, early on, it was like, OK, is this going to be like a it's going to be a kickoff? Are these defenses going to be? allowing a ton of movement in between the twenties and then firm up in the red zone. And it's going to be money McPherson versus grandpa Nick all day long. That felt like it was going to be the case early on and the doors kind of got blown off. But yeah, I agree that, that it was a shaky start for the, the defense. I mean, the thing that I had written down as a potential loser early on, as I'm taking notes in the game was that run defense of the Titans uh, through the first two drives. Uh, actually, I think three drives of the game. I tweeted out that the, the Bengals were on pace. So this, I think the Bengals only had two drives in the first quarter. However many drives they had in the first quarter, this was the end of the first quarter. The Bengals were on pace for 136 yards on the ground at a 5.7 yard per carry clip, which was going to definitely be by far the worst rushing performance allowed by the Titans defense in recent memory. Certainly maybe since the Saquon Barkley game in week one of 2022. I'm not sure. I think that may be the most recent maybe Josh Jacobs in week three or four, whatever it was. But um, yeah, it was not great early. They firmed up. I will say I still generally find the running defense a concern from this game because you know what really helps your rush defense look better on paper? Blowing the doors off of a team and for two and a half quarters of a game, they can't really run the ball anymore because they're chasing from behind. Like that's going to do that. So they would have run if this was a close game wire to wire. I think they would have run for north of 100 yards. I think they would have had an efficient rating because even late in the game, when they were down many scores and they were still giving the ball to Joe Mixon at times, he was, I mean, he was chopping off some nice runs. Now the Titans were playing some more cushy 
softer defense and some prevent defense looks, but still that, that Bengals it's something about, cause we talked about how Samaje P Ryan did this to the Titans last year when they faced them in Nissan stadium, something about the Bengals run offense is the Titans run defense. Usually a very stout and fantastic group. It's their kryptonite. And don't ask me why I do not know, but they do a good job of it. And so I guess credit to the Bengals there. And it raises some concern for the Titans run defense, but Generally, I, I mean, I'm not too worried about it because they, ha- you know, this is this is certainly an outlier performance for them over the past season plus of sample size. Um, one guy that I wanted to talk about was Aziz Al Shair, and early in the game, they were utilizing him very differently, in my opinion, than how they had used him previously this season. We saw a lot with David Long with the Titans the past couple of seasons, where he was used in the pass rush game as kind of a heat-seeking missile. As a headhunter, a see ball, hit ball, just uncork him, take the leash off, have him, you know, just fly through a gap and get after the quarterback and and F a play up was really the best way to describe it, right? We hadn't seen a ton of that from Aziz Al-Shair this year, who came in, the understanding was he was going to be kind of that long replacement in that way. He had that, he had that in his bag. Through three games, he wasn't really doing that much. They seemed to take the leash off of him a lot more early on in this game. We asked Mike Vrabel about that after the game. And, and he said that that was kind of their plan coming in to just have another element of that pass rush game. See what, see what he could do, get another backer in there. And it worked really well. He got, I think two quarterback hits rushing the passer early on in the first half of the game. And so a good game for Aziz Al Shair for sure. The pass rush for its part came back to life. Three, uh, three sacks on the day. I want to actually, I've got the, the numbers here. I want to pull up their exact numbers if i can find it for the defense here we go um yeah three sacks on the day um six tackles for loss nine quarterback hits five passes defended uh one fumble forced fumble and one fumble recovery so a really really strong day for the defense the 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 guys that stood out is he's actually here in, in the pass rush one tackle for a loss two quarterbacks hit two quarterback hits and two uh passes defended Jack Gibbons led the team in combined tackles with 10. He was flying around, had one pass he had defended. A, yeah, that one where he was just so athletic to get up T. there. T. Higgins at the seam, right? Yes. Yeah, the 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 one where he was just athletic and was able to jump <laughs> up and get that as a as there are a couple uh people in here who are T. Higgins owners, like Deagle in in the chat I'm right now. Sorry. As as very T. Higgins owners, that. we we are very mad today because Aziz Al Shair and um. Jack Gibbons kind of messed up our day, both in the red zone and uh, just in general. So that deep, that was going to be a big gain. I mean, it was yes. a, it was a deep seam shot. I turned to um, who I was sitting, who was who was I talking to at that point? Um, Mickey Ryan from one hundred four five. I was he he you know he kind of whoo when that play went off and, and Gibbons makes the play to to stop a big catch and pass from from Burrow to Higgins, and I'm just like you know. Jack Gibbons, like the kid, I do. I like the player. Don't love that matchup just in general on paper. Not my favorite. Having Jack, I, like I get why you have to do it. And we talked about how, you know, with the, the defensive scheme that they run, this is a lot. You're going to get a lot of looks like that. You just have to. You have to have a linebacker that can hang in the seam with a with a slot court, with a slot uh, wide receiver. And yes, I understand that. Does not mean that I have to like it. I did not like that. But good for Gibbons for making a play there. Um, some other guys that kind of came to life. Obviously, Autry gets that ta- uh, that sack near the end of the game. Had a, a big big tackle for loss and two quarterback hits in this game. He kind of came back to life. 
Um, Travis Gibson is a guy that we we had flagged to talk about. Let's talk about him a little bit. He's active for the, I believe that, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, this is the first game that he's been active for the Titans this season. There's been a lot of clamoring for him to be active in the past couple of weeks because of Harold Landry playing so many snaps, clearly not being ready yet coming off that knee injury, not having that burst, that juice yet, or whatever it may be with him where he's still working his way back. And understandably so. He, it's a weird situation where, you know, you, you understand. I don't think anybody's really blaming Landry or like saying, oh, he's a bum, he's washed. This is this is part of how this works, right? We know this about players that come back from an ACL. But you also have to understand like, okay, well, while he's still working through that, get him some reps, but he does not need to be on the field as much as he otherwise would be. Harold Landry, b- before he tore his ACL, was like a 99% snap share guy for four years of the Titans before he got his big contract and then towards ACL. So pair that back a little bit. The Titans finally did today by making a guy like Travis Gibson active. He was more active, especially early on in the game. Rashad Weaver was in there more anecdotally. I felt like I was seeing him fly around more during the game, mixing more of some of those rotational edges in, and it was working well for the team. I felt like getting those guys in, giving them looks Gibson, his stat line, he ends up with uh, one tackle, um, one sack and uh, one sack for eight yards and, and a forced fumble. So a really big impact play from him. Excited to see what he can do, getting some more play, hopefully going forward. And so, yeah, the, the defense just as a whole, a- anybody in the chat that wants to bring up any other players that, that are, are worth discussing. Um, I felt like the secondary did a good job. This is where we can kind of get into that, that discussion of, okay, Joe Burrow, it felt like he was getting the ball out as fast as humanly possible. Every time he dropped back, I tweeted out after the first drive, I'm guesstimating, but I feel like Joe Burrow, you know, he had four completions and I think he held the ball for all of 1.7 seconds. Like that's what it was like all day with him. It was very funny whenever he tried to scramble. He, that the one that made me laugh out loud was the, I think it was the first drive, the third down, first down conversion where he needed one yard. And so he steps in the pocket, kind of shuffles two or three feet and then slides down real awkward. That was really gingerly. It was like Grandpa Joe Burrow out there on the field gets the first down. And y- you feel for the guy because he's you know in pain and going through what is clearly a very limiting situation. But a couple of those sacks the Titans had today, they were sacks that I feel like a healthy Joe Burrow squirms out of or at least is able to stay on his feet long enough to get the ball off throwing out of bounds, whatever it may be. Some of those QB hits, he does not sustain. Um, I think a lot of those plays get extended if he's able to, you know, roll out of the pocket and make something happen. I was reminded by somebody in the press box that last year in the Bengals Titans game, Joe Burrow had nine rushes for like 35 yards. And so he was really a creator with his feet as well as creative behind the line of scrimmage with his feet in extending plays, extending passing opportunities downfield. That wasn't the case at all today. And so that's really the crux of this week's discussion is what can you really take away from this game? The pass rush worked, but they were going after a statue. The the defensive secondary did a good job holding up against a really talented receiving core, but they were having to really just survive for two, three seconds tops on these plays that were not long, deep, developing plays downfield. They were short and intermediate stuff. So they could play more aggressive in that way. JT, what's your overall takeaway? And people that are listening live in the chat, give give me your thoughts on what you really, what kind of grain of a, what kind of a grain of salt you have to take away from this performance because of the limitations of the Bengals' offense. 
the, the secondary did their job today, I think, is kind of what I am taking away with it because I think that you would have so many more downfield looks if Joe Burrow was fully healthy. But sure. because of that limitation, the, the secondary kind of understood that and they did their job today. They did not allow a lot of things downfield or even after the catch. Like Jamar Chase was open many times, but once he got that ball, there were three or four guys on him. I was impressed sure. with the tackling, 100%. Yes. Yep. And then also the only really explosive plays were little dump off passes to tight ends who were able to get three or four yards, but nothing that was really make or break on any drives. Like, so I think with the secondary, at least they did their job. They did it. Okay. I'm not going into next week now saying, Oh, the secondary is fixed or this secondary is now getting better because of the limitations that they, it's a little bit of a grain of salt, but when they were asked to do what they were supposed to do today, they did it and executed well. So I think that's the, um, the best thing that they did today. Sure. No, I I think that's fair. And pointing out that the, the, the tackling and the swarming of the defensive secondary was well executed. The yards after catchability was limited. The opportunities were really limited by the Titans defense. So at least in that way, I think it was their best performance. But again, they were having uh, uh, they were having to cover a very different unit than they, I think, otherwise would have. Um, just going through my notes here. Anything else on defense? Not really. We can we can move on to the offense, which was the the star of the show today. And there's plenty to talk about there. Some some general thoughts on this offense and some numbers for you. I, I will say for Ryan Tannehill, who we had some clips from from Tannehill and Brable and Henry. They they kind of glitched out on us. I don't know. It's it's it was the weirdest it's, thing. <laughs> it was bizzare. Go to my Twitter account. Backwards, sideways, and all upwards of, all at the yeah, same time. It was, they were framed strange and like it, whatever. I don't know. It was a it was an error. We were not going to play them. They're on my Twitter account at Easton Freeze. Go and find them there. There's there's plenty of insight from those guys on what happened and what went right this week that didn't go right last week. But I will give credit to Ryan Tannehill, who we've been kind of blasting for three weeks now about being an old man and not very spry back there and not athletic enough to move around. I thought he looked more athletic, more spry in the pocket. There were a couple of plays where he actually did create in the pocket, navigated it well. The the one where he, he initially stepped back in the pocket to buy some time and then stepped up in the pocket to avoid a sack coming around the edge that was losing contain. Um, I think that was where he converted the fourth, the, the only fourth down conversion of the day, finds Tajay Spears to sit down right there in, in the flat in the middle of the field, gets the first down. That was a play that was made possible by Tannehill's pocket navigation and athletic ability. There were a couple other times where he kind of cut loose, got out of a, of a collapsing pocket, took off for a couple yards or threw the ball away. So he did not look super athletic, not super spry. He did not turn the clock back a decade, but he didn't look like a, a complete and utter, you know, 45 year old Tom Brady statue back there that you had to keep clean or else all things were doomed. So credit to him on that front. Some numbers that I was kind of just digging into as the game was going along, JT, the last time the Titans scored three touchdowns and a half, which they did in the first half today. It was week four last season at Indianapolis, which was exactly 364 days ago. So this is the maybe this is the annual where the one year cycle is has begun anew. The Titans will not score three touchdowns in a half again until one calendar year from now. Hopefully not, but maybe the numbers are indicating that may be the case. One thing the Titans didn't do today, if you had again, this is a nitpicking loss for them. They go into halftime. It was I believe it was 24 to three at half. They finished the game 27 to three, only scoring three points in the second half. And so the Titans did not score 30 plus points today. 
It would have if they if they had eclipsed that 30 point mark would have been the first time since week 17 of the 2021 season, which was that 34 to three win over Miami at home at the end of the season. That's a 637 day, 21 game drought that is continuing now. And they, they were in field goal range there at the end of the game. Of course, it would have been very ungentlemanly of, of them to kick that field goal to, to, you know, the game was over. That's kicking a guy when he's down. Mike Vrabel's not going to do that. But they once again failed to do that. And so when will the Titans score 30 points again? It's going to have to come on a day, a very rare day, it seems, where the Titans offense is clicking like that. And also the defense is struggling or they're facing a really potent uh, you know, offense. Maybe, maybe if the Titans are a good team by December and they're playing Miami and Miami, you could see it then. Maybe um, I, I'm trying to think of teams. They play the Ravens could put up 30 points and the Titans, you know, that that Ravens defense is really good though. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of a team that they play this year with a really good offense and kind of a suspect defense. I would have said well, the Falcons. I was going to say, that's exactly person. who I was going to say. A real was, person. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what about a, what about a Heineke led, Falcons. I'm in. I'm about it. Maybe. Let's, let's see know? it. That's in. That's in Atlanta, I believe, right? Or uh, uh no, that's here because that's, that's one here. Of the, okay, that's so one of maybe even better games. for the Titans. So like maybe, um, maybe by then, or a Kirk or Cousins Houston. led Falcons team by then. Uh, Houston. If CJ Stroud keeps it up, maybe. Sure. Then. I have a little bit too much faith in the Texans defense personally, mm -hmm. but maybe, maybe they're they're not they're not flawless. They're just kind of spunky, and I like them in that way. Um. So yeah. Some of the the details on this team. Let's let's dive into some specifics. And again, if you're listening with us live, make sure you're subscribed to Broadway Sports Media YouTube channel, Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. When you're subscribed there, then go over to this live stream. You'll find the live stream of this show on Sunday night. You can be a part of the conversation in the comments. Would love to hear your thoughts on the Titans' offense from this game. Now, and let's have that conversation. I want to start with the Henry Spears usage and. Daggummit, if I did not write this down, I'm going to see if I can pull it up really quick. Um, this felt like another perfect split between those two but players. I believe it was Henry with 37 snaps to Tajay's 33. If it my, is. You, if you, my... Right as I found it. You bingo, 100%. So, so a, a perfect split there. Well done on your part with the memory. Um, the 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 rushing split was was lopsided, obviously. Tajay Spears in on a lot of plays, but not getting the ball in... in um, handoff situations their their final numbers was definitely derrick henry's best rushing performance in recent memory he had 22 attempts for 122 yards a five a very very healthy 5.5 yards per attempt average with that 29 yard long run uh the touchdown run was the was it the last touchdown they scored in the first half or the second to last touchdown they scored in the first half i think it was the the second touchdown they scored in the game let me let me check because I think I think that one was after the NWI one though. Was it okay? You I check on that. It, but regardless, yeah. um, one of the Titans three touchdowns in the first half near the end of the second quarter. Derrick Henry breaks out that twenty nine yard run. That was a vintage King Henry run. That was good for the NFL fan soul. It it felt right. You felt the universe in balance in that moment. To be honest, as I watched it there. Like as soon as he it, did, it the was stiff right arm, at you in the stadium too. It was right in that it, corner. As soon right? as soon as yeah, as soon as he did the stiff arm and he broke that tackle, I was like, he's going. Like this is this is in. Like yep. there's no stopping him. He yep. got all the way. So um, yeah, but yeah, broke some tackles. Was a run up the gut that he bounces outside once he's into the secondary. Runs through some guys. Lays the stiff arm. Gorgeous, delicious. And I put putting on my putting on my um, neutral 
who who's the I'm blanking on the dude's name. Who's the actor who wears the NFL hat or wore the NFL hat to the San Francisco game? Rob Lowe, my Rob Lowe NFL ball cap. Like that was a good time to be an NFL fan watching that run. And you saw a couple of vintage Derrick Henry runs today. It's crazy how, and I, I wish we had the stat pulled up JT earlier. I think it was last week. We were talking about how on average he was being met around four yards behind the line of scrimmage through three weeks was getting like one, maybe two steps before running into some contact, which is not conducive for with success for Derrick Henry and his running style. Crazy how today the Titans run game got back to some basics, ran some pitch, a lot of pitch plays to Derrick Henry that were working well, some off tackle stuff, some duo, some zone running, some, some classic Titans running, rushing success, Derrick Henry bread and butter run plays that were working really well for them. And, it it makes you it 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 excites the Titans fan today, but in retrospect, it makes you wonder what were you doing? Not working some more of that in in previous weeks. I know that game script kind of dictates different things, but there were certainly some opportunities for them to do some more of that old school bread and butter stuff to get the ball rolling. Again, this team really capitalizes on play action, and I can't wait for the play action split numbers to come out uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. But today was another day where they ran a lot of play action and it worked really often. And a big part of that is because they were establishing the run. Now, the analytics nerds will tell you, you don't have to establish the run play action to work. It's, it's I'm not sure that's exactly the case. I'm not sure I buy that. Maybe you don't have to establish it as a dominant force, but you have to run the ball to some effect. You can't be completely futile in the running game and expect for play action to get defenses to bite. There's just no way that's the case. Um, Logan pointing out in the comments, short pitch though, versus wide pitch. Yes. And we were asking Derrick Henry and, and, uh, Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill about this after the game, they were kind of not, they weren't really biting on the whole, you know, what was different about the short pitches to Henry and, and Kaharski was really trying to drive this point. At one point he, he turns to the rest of us, the media He's like, am I crazy for thinking that these pitch plays were kind of different? No, Paul, you aren't. It wasn't that they were, uh, he was trying to say they were like kind of sawed off shorter pit, like. Really, it was just pitch plays, but they weren't outside the tackle runs. They weren't long developing wide swinging pitch plays that are that are you know longer developing plays and trying to get on the outside to get the edge. They were doing some kind of it, it was kind of a, a merge of a, a pitch and a, sh a shovel pass on the inside in that way, and and it was working well. It was some it was some you know off tackle inside the tackle off the guard runs off of the pitch for Derrick Henry that were that were being run very well. Um, Logan also brings up in the comment, by the way, the 10 minute drive to start second half was maybe bigger than getting the three points to start the third. It's certainly bigger than getting the three points to start the third. It may be the single most important drive of the game because when you eat up 10 minutes of clock coming out of scoring two kind of back breaking touchdowns in the final three minutes of the second quarter, you're up by multiple scores. You're getting to double dip because you get the ball back after the half. This Bengals team is on the road. Their offense has been sputtering. They need points now. And you just munch up 10 of those minutes, 10 of the 30 minutes remaining in the game to start the second half. You only get a field goal out of it. And to Logan's point, the, the three points were way less consequential to the outcome of the game than the actual 10 minutes taken off the clock there, leaving the Bengals with 20 minutes left to come back um, to, to score 24 points, a, you know, a, a three, maybe three, arguably four possession game at that point. And so that really forces their hand. That was a really 
really big part of the game. Some other numbers. Oh, by the way, got a shot Derrick Henry here who who took another page of the history book today and ripped it up a little bit. He surpasses Earl Campbell today. Once he hit the, I think it was 77 yards he needed rushing today to surpass Earl Campbell, which he had in spades, 122 yards on the day um, for the second all-time Titans rusher in franchise history. He is now trailing only Eddie George, who has 10,009 total rushing yards as a Tennessee Titan slash Houston Oiler slash Tennessee Oiler. I think Henry is around the eight. He's just north of 8,000 yards. So he's got like 2,000 yards left to catch George. We'll see if that happens. But Henry has now become just the sixth player in NFL history, not Titans history, NFL history, with 8,000 yards rushing and 80 rushing touchdowns in their first eight seasons, which is made even more impressive by the fact that Henry's first two and a half, three seasons were really lackluster and he was a backup during that time. So, well done for Henry. A big milestone for him. He was very humble about it after the game. Wanted to give yeah. the credit to his blockers. And also just uh, so r- total rushing yards in his career, he has 8,620. Okay. And now so a more than I thought. So a little bit more, but the Titans now are the only team in, in the entire NFL um, to have three rushers go for more than 8,500 yards in franchise history. They're the what? In the, they're the only team. They're the only team. Repeat that stat one more time for me. I, I believe, I, and let me go check this because I have it back here. But they're the only team to have three rushers have more than eight thousand five hundred yards in, in a in a franchise. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I that which this, makes sense I, with Eddie George, Earl Campbell, it, and Derrick it, Henry. It, it, <laughs> it checks out, and sense, you, you know? get CJ two K in there, and you got you know the Mount Rushmore of, <laughs> no pun intended, Rushmore, the Tennessee Titans, a a an elite, if not the elite, rushing team of all time in NFL history, a fantastic rushing organization. Um, who else should we talk about? NWI. How about Nick West for Kikine? It remains the silliest thing of this Titans season. Really not close, in my opinion. That folks, smart folks, were talking earnestly in July, late into August, about how I don't know if Nick West for Kikine's roster spot is really locked up on this team. There's some, you know, Reggie Roberson's kind of flashed in the preseason. And I, I, Listen, I, I was on the Roberson train, hand up. I was not on the no NWI train. I just, I like Roberson. Chris Moore might be better than NWI. Mason Kinsey continues to be an available stalwart player in the preseason. Does he get the nod? Colton Dowell is in the mix. They drafted him. They'll, they'll probably want him on the team. Kiaris Jackson has flashed. Potential special teams possibility. Like there's a number of guys that could take Nick Westbrook-Akine's job. Ridiculous then. Really ridiculous now. Nick Westbrook-Akine has quietly had a really great season by his standards. And it's crazy how when you put a wide receiver three or four into a wide receiver three or four role in the NFL, they excel at being a wide receiver three or four, which is what Nick Westbrook-Akine has always been. He's been bad and lackluster and frustrating in the past couple of seasons because the Titans' entire offense would be dead by week seven, and he'd have to be wide receiver one for four weeks. And he's not good at that. It's not what he does. He's not built for that. When he's a wide receiver three or four, that's what he's good at. That's what he's built at for. He's he's capable of doing that. And so he goes and he does that and he does it well. I wrote down his, his stats for the season so far through four games. And in one of these games, he had no catches for no yards because the Titans put up three points and 94 total yards of offense against Cleveland last week. So really in three games so far this season, NWI has caught 12 of 16 balls thrown his way, 
for 134 yards and two touchdowns. JT, NWI has two touchdowns. The rest of the Titans wide receiver core this season. How many touchdowns does they have? I believe none. <laughs> none. Zero. NWI has been a reliable, really nice player. What's the word? Serviceable. He's a useful player. He's a very useful player. He's not great. He's quite good. He's quite nice to have around. He When he's got a relationship with Ryan Tannehill like he has, which is a very, very good one, they work well together. He is You can tell at times he is a security blanket for Ryan Tannehill. He's a need three or four or five yards. I'll get, he, come and get three or four or five yards. That's what NWI is, and he serves this team well. Um, Logan says in the comments, NWI make big catches. Yes, he does. Um, is he a perfect receiver? Not even close. Is he a nice receiver to have on your team when he's slotted incorrectly? A thousand percent, yes. So good for NWI and good for the Titans for keeping him around and not not listening to the nonsense hype around him not being worthy of being on this team. Let's um, talk about one more one more guy on the yeah. offense. I guess we 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 kind of buried the lead of our first one here. Let's talk Josh about Wiley? Josh Wiley. All right, let's let's, talk, let's about talk about him. <laughs> All right, so Josh Wiley, pull him back up the numbers here. Uh, Josh Wiley on the day. Two receptions, two, two yards, targets, two receptions, two, targets, two receptions, yep. 33, 26, yards. Oh, 26 yards. According to what I have here. What, where no, that's right. No, no, that's right. Okay. 26 yards and a touchdown. His long was a 24 yard. So, so one big time reception for 24 yards right up the middle. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a third down or, or not, but it was to get the Titans deep into the red zone. And then a touchdown catch his first. We asked him in the locker room. Did you ever think that your first touchdown catch would be? a pass from Derrick Henry. And he said, definitely not. No, we also, we gave him a hard time and the, because the, you know, the Titans line up out there, they have Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and Jeffrey Simmons in the huddle. And you're like, they're on the three or four yard line. What's going on? What's the plan here? What kind of Tom Fuller are we up to here? Tim Kelly, Ryan Tannehill runs out as the wide out motions out to the, to the uh, sideline. Derrick Henry in, in the King cat formation, as we've become accustomed to seeing him, Jeffrey Simmons in the backfield initially, I believe then motions out as the, the right side tight end as a lead lead blocker. One would assume You're like, what is going on? What, you know, what's the, what's the deal here? Cincinnati calls a timeout because they don't like what they're seeing. And it's infuriating at first. Cause you're like this, that should be illegal for Cincinnati to have robbed us of seeing what kind of nonsense was about to occur. That sh that's the rule of cool dictates that shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to call a timeout there for the Titans. It's steady Eddie. They decide we're going to run double down. Don't, don't worry about it. double down. Exactly. We're running it again. They get the guys back out there. Okay. Same, same situation. Same exact play at this point, JT, you are in the stands. I'm in the press box. There are 69,000 people in attendance wearing all different shades of two-tone blue and Cincinnati black and orange. What percentage of the people in that stadium were thinking Derrick Henry's probably going to throw a touchdown here? He be careful. This guy's probably going to throw. Like 85%? Most of them? Yeah. Most of them, right? Yeah. Like, hey, we've seen this more times than I can remember. He is a very much a there are, um, I think three different tight ends if you're classifying Jeffrey Simmons as a tight end in on this play who are all liable to leak out and take a very easy little touch pass, jump pass over the top for a 7. The Titans have done this. It has worked for them every single time. Watch out. They will do it again. And the Cincinnati Bengals, despite calling a timeout, somehow fall for it. I asked, I asked Tannehill. I asked Henry after the game. I asked Josh Wilde after the game. How are dudes still, how are these cats still falling for this? How are they still falling for it? I don't understand. 
at this point, they're like every eight games, the Titans pull it out and every eight games, they get a free seven points from it. I get that. Like, yeah, the response from Henry and Tannehill was, well, you got to respect, you know, Derrick Henry, you got, it's a jumbo package. You got Jeffrey Simmons in there for crying out loud as a lead blocker. You got to respect him running, you know, running the ball in. But we talked to Josh Wiley. I asked him, is there a plan B there? Is there a situation, like what's, what happens if, is there a read for Henry to not pass? And he said, no, either the ball is coming my way or the play doesn't work. So like, I'm not sure I totally buy, yeah, Derrick Henry, he, he can create, maybe he just forces his way in there any, anyways, but the play, in my opinion, is set up for him to pass and nothing else. Derrick Henry himself said before yeah. I asked him, he, so, sorry to cut you off, but I, it, this, I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling BS on this. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm peeved that they would lie to our faces about this. I asked him. In the, in the press conference, I said, Derek, are you surprised people are still falling for this? Are you surprised at this point you're still getting away with it? And he said, no, you know, they got to respect the run. But right before I asked him that, he said that the the uh, either – I'm forgetting. It's either he said this or Wiley said this. But one of them said that the coaching instructions on this play was either you throw to Josh Wiley or you send that ball seven rows deep into the stands. There is no option C, carry the ball. Derek could go off script, I suppose. But that play is designed to throw the ball. That being said, why are they still falling for this? It blows my mind. Well, the funniest thing was after Josh Wiley catches it, the two linebackers look at each other with their hands being like the Spider-Man pose of like, you were supposed to have it. No, your job. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, it it is quite funny that it continues to happen. And if the answer truly is they're getting away with it because teams have to respect their ability to run or pass there. My counter is, okay, well, then if you're inside the five-yard line ever, shouldn't that be your play call every single time? Like, if it's really that broken of a play, if this is a tush-push level, unstoppable, unguardable play, then why are you not running it all the time? And I think the obvious answer is that it's not. It's just one that they do a good job of spreading out week over week. And just even though you know, it's one of those things where it's like, when we're betting sometimes in the best bet gauntlet, and it's like you look back on a bet that is a bad beat on a Sunday evening, and you're like, we, we I swear we talked about this. I, I said I wasn't going to bet that team. I know I shouldn't have bet that team. I know I shouldn't have bet them in that spot. You know, of course, what was I thinking? I was a moral, like I clearly was not thinking when I made this pick. And yet in the moment, you just, it's like the shiny object, you get a little ADD, you get a little squirrel. Derrick Henry, the possibility of him from the King Cat formation with Jeffrey Simmons as a blocker is enough of a mental, it's a, it's a mind trap of, well, oh, they're going to run the ball. Oh, they're still going to run here. They're still going to, and there's the pass and there's the touchdown. So uh, a funny play, Josh Wiley's first touchdown. We, we somehow managed to turn this segment in the Josh Wiley segment into why this play is so uh, broken, but. Like the point here is that that Logan is also pointing out, as he says, let's calm down on Wiley. If he doesn't have that seam catch, nobody's talking about him. Mm, I still have my questions about Josh Wiley. Um, I'm not ready after a a performance that really, when you break it down, is like one reception for 24 yards. Like I'm not ready to to walk back my takes on Josh Wiley. Sure. And, and and to like, not, not that this is necessary here, but just for future, for continuity's sake, I have to, in your defense, point out that the biggest reason why at draft time, pre-draft, we wrote an article and you wrote a segment of the article about why Josh Wiley would be a bad fit for the Titans was about the fit with the Titans and less about him as a player. Now, I don't think you were very high on him as a player in general. 
But the reason you wrote what you wrote was because we didn't think his skill set was exactly what the Titans needed. And we still kind of think that his skill set may not be what the Titans need unless unless he proves us wrong and is a viable blocker. And so that's why I have to say here at the end of the Josh Wiley talk, if I had to list players, I'm most curious to go back and watch this week. Like I want to rewatch the broadcast. I want to rewatch the all 20. I want to watch the all 22 for the first time. I know that Josh Wiley is in more and Wesco is out more in this game. I don't know how much Wiley was in to block. Anecdotally, I saw him doing it on occasion today. And in the past, I haven't seen him do it as much. I want to go back and see, was he blocking? Was he filling in roles where Wesco was, was, you know, doing those things in previous weeks? And if so, what did it look like? I'm very, so like, I might come back Tuesday and be like, wow, Josh Wiley had a hell of a game. Good for Josh Wiley. Well done. You know what? Maybe he is going to be something for this team. Or maybe I'm going to be like, yeah, it was two catches and one was a big one and it was up the seam and it was a nice catch. But other than that, it was kind of nothing. So um, TBD, I think, is the consensus on Josh Wiley until Tuesday. JT, anything else in the comments we need to discuss? Um, Zach says that JT vibe check chair is high. Mood is high. Zach, it's interesting. I agree with you. This is, I appreciate you coming in with these advanced analytics each week. I will say that's that's strange. Maybe he's by dearth of being on this show and being invested in the Titans. He has, he has reached full um, football analyst status and is able to compartmentalize when his team loses. And he's got it. Maybe JT, do you feel like you have your, your analyst hat on right now and you're suppressing, pushing down deep within you, the upset with the Bengals. Maybe it's just apathy at this point. I I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a company man. I, I see man. the I, I see the numbers and I say good show like good show. It. very good <laughs> it's a very um, good very nice <laughs> um, no I've been I've been analyst all day even at the game like mm. I did not cheer once I was like I'm just watching for the play like just to to, just to play That's what so, I like you to know hear. no cheering in the press box no no JT says no, no cheering no, no, in the no, stands no. yeah no, no not me couldn't no be me I'm a, I'm an observer of the game <laughs> <laughs> he's a connoisseur of the sport. Um, Kenneth says, I'm almost positive that Wiley out snapped Wesco. I I'm sure Tron Davenport who has the snap counts each week has that out there on Twitter. I just don't have it up right now. All right, JT, how about we get to some Titans news and we get out of here. What do you say? Yeah, sounds good. All right. This is the, uh, the news with, with producer JT. Yeah. So thanks for calling it the news because there really, what else is there to say about the Titans? But there is a yeah. bigger important note that the Titans are now tied for the division lead. Who are they tied with? Two wins. I believe they're tied with the Jaguars. I believe they're tied with everybody. Everybody in the AFC <laughs> South is two, two, two and 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 two. They are actually technically last. Uh, now we're going back. Zach, Zach pointing out. Thank you, Zach. He didn't out snap 24 for Wesco, 18 for Wiley. So, uh, a relative, I mean, you know, closer to even, but not, not out snapping him. Okay. Good to know. Um, yeah, but anyways, the AFC South, the Titans technically in last right now, because every team in the AFC South is one and one in the division, as well as two and two overall, except for the Titans, the Titans have not played any division games. They'll get their first divisional matchup against Indianapolis in Indianapolis next week. So that'll be a big game for them, but because you don't have any wins in the division, you are technically in last place, but yes, the 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 model of of mediocrity so far the AFC South two and two across the board a blank slate and the Titans in terms of season long uh, it feels like it's crazy what eight hours can do between noon and right now at eight p.m. on a Sunday but at noon there was a lot of talk on the heels of a week where there was a lot of talk of 
Titans, maybe they pack it in earlier than later. Maybe I know that the, the beginning of the Titans 10 article this week that we write, JT, was this season could get out of hand for the Titans sooner than later. And here they are tied a blank slate, a zero zero game in the race for the AFC South, which is the, you know, the, the primary goal in uh, in any NFL team season is to win your division. And they have an opportunity to do so. They are two and two through four of the six games of their six game opening stretch, which we still I still feel confident. That this is probably the, the most difficult portion of their schedule. We find out some things about teams. You know, you get a you get a they kind of even out like I think you face a more difficult Browns team than you were expecting. But it levels out. You get a, you get an easier Bengals team than you were expecting. I think next week they're facing a, a, a more potent, sneakier Colts team than a lot of fans thought they may be facing in Week Five. Um, the Ravens team seems to be off to a really great start. So I would still argue the hardest part of their schedule, if they can get out of, out of it three and three, two and four, I think that they're you know two and four would be disappointing if they lose the next two, but three and three, I think you're you're in pretty good shape looking at the back half of the the, the back two thirds of the season. What, what do you think JT? I mean, yeah. I mean, with kind of how a lot of these teams are shaping out, I mean, the Steelers do not look good. They have to play them later yep. this season. Falcons. The Falcons are, as we'll talk about here in a second, are kind of a disaster. Houston is always one where you feel like you can maybe get two wins, but at, at worst you kind of feel like you can walk away with a split there. Right. So like, you're starting to feel pretty good because despite the, the Jaguars today, they still have to play teams like the Bengals. They still have to play teams like the 49ers. They yep. still have to play a lot of other teams that the Titans Bills. do not have to play. Yep. yep. They play the Bills in, in London this upcoming week, a big, a big game for them. Um, But just totally anecdotal or uh, not anecdotal, but uh, off to the side here. I have to mention it. Did you see the, the Jaguars are pulling the London doubleheader right now? Yes. So they're in London for two weeks in a row, right? They played today against Atlanta. They've been in their team hotel all week prepare, preparing for this. They now have to move team hotels for this next week. Do you know why? Because the Buffalo Bill booked oh, their hotel that they're currently oh, in. For the I see. I don't know if this was gamesmanship on the Bills part. If so, well done. Um, but yes. Oh, no. Logan saying the Jets suck in the comments. Uh, I don't know. I'm scared to check the score of that game. I'll tell you it in a second, buddy. It's okay. rough. Okay, All right, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, okay, what else do we have in the news today? Let's talk about the AFC South Roundup, and we'll go over the scores here, just say what went right for these teams, what went wrong. Um, first of all, with the London, I mean Jacksonville Jaguars, they do defeat <laughs> the Falcons 27-3 to today. Trevor Lawrence looked like Trevor Lawrence, 23 of 30, uh, 207 yards and a touchdown. Desmond Ritter, He's just bad, man. Like 19 of 31, 131 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Now that I think about that, I probably just put the uh, I, I put the <laughs> the Titans Bengals score there instead of what the actual Jaguars Falcons ah, score was. Ah. Um, just you know, as, as a slip here, but Freudian slip. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Switch the numbers. Scratch mm -hmm. that. Reverse it. Flip them. Yep. Uh, the the Jaguars won 23 to seven. So you know, a little bit of a. Uh, Maybe some dyslexia kicking in there, but well, either dyslexia. way, sure. Yeah, either way, Desmond Ritter is not good. He's not and, real. Um, he's not a real quarterback. He's not. I'm. I'm not sure he's a real person. He's going to get Arthur Smith's job taken away if if Arthur continues to stick with. I mean, like you have you have to do something. You have to try Heineke. You have to be a, a player in the in the 
pre-trade deadline market. You have to do something. They're, they are quickly approaching Jets territory of, you cannot stick with this quarterback or you're going to lose your job. Am I crazy for thinking this? I don't, I don't uh, disagree with that. However, I think that there's a bigger plan in mind. I'm still on the, they are going to trade for Kyler Murray at the end of this season and mm. roll with that next mm. season. That's still my take that I've had since the beginning. What if it's mid-season? Josh Dobbs, still a, clearly a, a starting caliber quarterback. Well, I just don't think I just don't I just don't think Kyler Murray will be able to play at all this season, to be honest. I think sure. Um, with, sure. With I'm just saying, why don't they it. go ahead? I mean, like, I don't think it's crazy to think they may to do it now before the deadline. Yes. Sure. Why okay. not? I got why you. Not? Yeah. Um, but, you know, who else uh, was kind of non-existent today or we, we questioned their existence? Kyle Pitts uh, <laughs> still. <laughs> That's, it's been just, more than just, today, pal. Yeah. Just, uh, did not exist today. We do know that this this game was kind of coinciding with a Toy Story esque animation game mm-hmm. with with Disney Plus today, um, and and if Kyle Pitts was a Toy Story character, he's Wheezy left up on the shelf, you know, collecting Wheezy, dust. Wheezy's a good take. I, I my initial thought when I was trying to find a character for him was, you know, the like the the mangled Frankenstein uh uh toys that are underneath Sid the bad guy's bed that come out and scale like that's I thought that he was like the baby head with octopus arms like that's that's Kyle or Pitts maybe he's the opinion. fishing hook or the fishing rod the, with the, legs because he yeah, hooks with, you in every uh-huh, fantasy the season bar, the barbie leg it, that's great it's what he is you should tweet a picture the barbie legs like the long sexy legs with the fishing line that's what he is yeah to fantasy players a hundred percent well, the only reason we bring this up is because he was out-targeted and out-received by Titans legend Jonu Smith today in London. Hey, good player, so nothing is, you can do. Jonu Smith, uh, elite player, <laughs> so nothing a tough, you can do. Uh, a tough break for him. Moving on, uh, we'll talk about the Colts, who lost to the Los Angeles Rams today, 29-23 to in an OT thriller. Anthony Richardson went from getting knee garbage-time fantasy points to looking like he was going to win this game. QB1, QB1, He continues QB1. to be that dude when 11 of 25 dude. for 200. Uh, yards with two touchdowns and then had 10 rushes for 56 yards on the ground with a touchdown continues to just absolutely just light it up when he's available jt as connoisseurs of the sport as we talked about earlier i i know that you and i are just we're it's just it's delicious it's it's so good watching cj stroud and anthony richardson in the afc south so far both of those guys look really awesome so far they look like it's gonna it's gonna be fun watching them for a long time. It's so early, and maybe they don't pan out, but so far so great. Those two organizations have to feel great about their choices in quarterback, and for the Titans' part, they have to. There's, there's some added pressure there for sure. Yeah, and then Houston stomps the Steelers today, thirty to six, where C.J. Stroud continues to look like Rookie of the Year. Yes, With his performance today. Mm-hmm. He went sixteen of thirty for three hundred yards and two touchdowns. And then a little stat that Adam Schefter put out just a little bit ago. Texans rookie C.J. Stroud has 1,212 passing yards this season and surpassed Andrew Luck and his 1,208 passing yards for the second most passing yards by a player in his first four NFL games. Wow. Only Cam Newton with 1,300 had more. Stroud <laughs> is hilarious. the second Cam Newton was throwing it around the yard like that? He I have no recollection of that. That's amazing. Uh, Stroud is also the second quarterback in NFL history with no interceptions in each of his first four NFL starts, minimum 30 attempts in each start. Um, can you guess who who he joins here who did it in 2019? Was a rookie in 2019? I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, 
Well, it, it, it's his first four starts. I guess he couldn't. He it's okay, not exactly, okay. a rookie, but this is the guy who started four games and I, didn't throw an interception. I don't in his know. First four. Was it? I don't know. Like, uh, uh, what, what was it? Minshew? Was it Minshew? It was Minshew. Okay, it was, it was Gardner Minshew. Minshew. There, there, you go. Go. there you go. You know ball. Kirk, I do know ball. It took me a second. Um, and the then glad, glad that worked out for me. Yeah. So, bottom line, it seems uh, that the other three AFC South teams have found promising rookies to take them, or pr- promising quarterbacks to sure. kind of lead their Young franchise for yep. for the uh, for the foreseeable future. We'll have to see if Will Le- Levis or Malik Willis can join them in the near future. But don't you love job but- security? Knowing that we'll have content <laughs> next offseason. Who's the oh, Who's it going to be? <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's It's absolutely great. Um, and before we get out of the news segment here, we just got to talk about DTR, who made his first start today. You mm-hmm. and I are both proponents of DTR, and Logan will not shut up about it in the comments here. Okay, first of all, Logan <laughs> shut up about it, but I'll tell him what I told him behind closed doors. You're, if you think DTR's performance today is a reflection of his ability, you're a hack, you're a, you're a poser, you're a fraud, okay? Put in a horrible position. Didn't know he was starting until today, as far as I'm aware. Didn't get any first team reps or preparation during the week. Put in a terrible position against a very, very smart defensive coordinator for the Ravens and a top five ra- ra- defense, in my opinion, that the Baltimore Ravens have. So uh, it's going to happen. He was put in a blender, an untenable, impossible situation. I, I have faith that DTR's career only only gets better from here. This is this is the worst that you see of him. And finally, let's run down the best bet gauntlet that once again had another fantastic mm. week. Mm-mm-mm. The best bet gauntlet after this week is going to be 26 and 14 with Easton getting back on the board, going four and one today. Ah, I needed that. Like I needed air. My Myself, friend. I went three and two. My vibes picks are now one and one. Now However, we're assuming that the jets don't backdoor cover here, which, uh, which currently the score is 17, nothing with 13 minutes left in the second quarter. So a lot, so, of, game you never a lot of game left, not, not great, but you never know. So we'll either be 26 and 14 or 27 and 13, depending on tonight's game. Once again, another winning week for both of us. I have not had a losing week this week or since the the season started. I too have not had a losing week this week if we're being, (laughs) but we, we continue to make you money. So if you're, if you're not following along with us, I don't know what you're doing at this point. Yes. This is the pitch, right? At worst through four weeks, through a month, which is a 40 game sample size. At worst, 26 and 14. That is 65%. That is multiple percentage points clear of professional betting levels. If you're not betting with the best bet gauntlet, you're not trying. You're not trying to make money. Like it's it's really that simple. We take like we're not flying by the state of our pants. We're not the guy you follow on Twitter who's like a football analyst who just throws out some picks for you know content. Like we put serious time and energy and hours into researching these things during the week. We take it seriously. We bet real serious money on our end. And we make real serious money on our end, and we'd love for you to be a part of it and tail us. Um, will we finish the season at 65%? I don't know. At this point, we kind of seem like a runaway train. I'm sure we'll hit a hitch in the road eventually, but so far, so great. And we, you know, we talk about job security. We may just quit our job. If we're if we finish this year 65% or better, we may have to quit. Hey, we're on as Logan game. just pointed out, we're on our way to backdoor covering as Juwan Taylor has a face mask in, face mask in the end zone, which means safety for the Jets. 17 to 2. Let's we're go. Only, we're only six points away, baby. We're only Let's six go. 17 points to 9 away. final score. Backdoor cover. Cash it. I can't wait. All right. Is that the news for today, JT? Is that all? Yeah, that'll be it. All right. That is the news with producer JT. And that is our show today. Appreciate everybody joining us live. A kind of disjointed, but fun recap episode 
of the Titans Bengals. We'll have a, a much more um, traditional, much more put together, much more informative version of the Hot Read podcast coming to you live on Tuesday afternoon, as always in your podcast feed and on YouTube first thing Wednesday morning. And then of course, Thursday afternoon we'll be live at Boomba's craft pizza and tap house in spring Hill watching a fantastic Thursday night football game. The playing teams. I, I forget. It just, it slips my mind. I remember it being an awesome game. Don't even, don't even look it up. Don't worry about who's playing. Just come and watch them with us, please. We need friends to watch this game with. It's going to be a disaster, um, but we'll be there live. We'd love for you to come out. We're doing gift card giveaways almost every single week. If you come and you show your face to us and you say, hello, I know who you are. I like what you do. I hate what you do. I don't care. Just I'm, a, I'm familiar with who you are. Easton Freeze, JT Runke. Nice to meet you guys. I'm here because I know that you're doing the Hot Read Podcast. We'll say, that's so cool. You're the first person of the day to come say hi. Here's free food. Here's a free gift card. Go, go treat yourself. Have some delicious <laughs> food on us. I don't know how else we can sell that. Um, other things that we need you to do before you go, please subscribe to Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, it's it's right right underneath the video right there. Click subscribe. Also subscribe to our uh, podcast feed on on Apple Podcasts, on Google, on Stitcher, all those places where you get your good podcasts. We would love for a five star review on podcast. Haven't asked for that in a while. If you can leave us a five star review, that's super helpful for us. Um, and then follow us on social media at Hot Read Pod on TikTok on Twitter on Instagram. A lot of great content going up each and every week on those accounts. All right, JT, until Tuesday afternoon, I'll talk to you then. Talk to the good folks that are listening with us then. Have a great victory Monday. Great start to your week. For producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you later.